Good morning. It is an honor to be uh, back with you, you here today. Uh, two years ago, uh, we, we came uh, to this church. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, but in 2008, my wife Isabel and I moved to New York City. We gave away our car to charity, uh, 1988 Honda, uh, and that was the last car that I, that I, that I drove. Uh, but two years ago, in order to get to this church from New York City, uh, we had to borrow my friend's car. And uh, so I jumped from 1988 Honda Civic and my friend's car was a new 2016 model that projected the GPS onto the windshield. So I was very nervous flying down the highway because uh, I hadn't driven in a long time uh, and nervous about trying to follow this GPS as it's projected onto the windshield. Uh, when I got to the church, I realized, like, hey, something's not right. I, I think we might need gas. So, Isabel, make sure you uh, remind me we have to get gas afterwards. And we had a, a meeting here, and afterwards, uh, Victor was the only one uh, that we left together, uh, the, the church together. And I told Victor, um, I think we might need gas. And he said, oh, I can uh, show you where gas station is. So, um, he took the lead. We're the last ones here in the church, uh, pulled out onto the road. And as I'm pulling out onto this uh, high-speed road out here, the car runs out of gas. So I was in need of grace, I was in need of saving from Victor, and so I'm thankful for your church and the generosity and grace that you have shown to us. Um, and uh, Pastor Peter has his own story of one little detail that was missed, <laughs> but uh, God has his plans and it shows his grace and mercy. Uh, let us pray as we settle our hearts this morning. God, we thank you that your word of truth your word of love and word of grace has gone out and has been proclaimed in Cantonese and in Mandarin this morning, as well as in Spanish uh, in the Dominican Republic. And we thank you now that it is going forth in English. So open our hearts and open our words to your word as we uh, come before you. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, we will celebrate the 242nd birthday so to speak, of the United States of America. 240 years ago, 13 British colonies declared their independence from their imperial master, Great Britain. And since Great Britain was not in agreement with this action, the Revolutionary War began. The first battle for the War for Independence was the Battle of Brooklyn that took place 42 miles west of here. Uh, just south of where we live in Queens, in, in 1776. And the space uh, has been called for a long time Greenwood Cemetery. Since the Revolutionary War, the United States uh, had a violent and oftentimes contentious relationship uh, with uh, Great Britain. But the healing and reconciliation process and the relationship between these countries has taken a very long time. A fascinating development this year was the marriage of the uh, marriage union of the royal prince Harry of the United Kingdom to Meghan Markle, an American actress. How many of you watched that on TV or online or of some sort? So uh, some of you, or at least uh, saw it in the news. Uh, when they first announced their engagement, uh, some members of the British press criticized them very severely. They criticized their relationship because Markle is. American. She's divorced. 
and she is biracial. Yet the two proceeded to be married, and the Bishop Michael Curry, an African-American bishop in the Episcopal Church, whose ancestors very, may well have been uh, brought by, to the United States by British slave traders, was the one who performed the wedding service uh, in the chapel. Our passage today also touches on ethnicity, particularly the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people, the ethnos, the, the, the nations, the known as Gentiles, um, and uh, about God's plan for both of these groups. The writer of the book is the Apostle Paul, who was a Jewish Roman citizen who grew up in the largely Greek-speaking city of Tarsus. He had an abundant experience of crossing ethnic and generational divides. And so you want to learn from and listen to what God is speaking through the Apostle Paul in Romans 11 today. What God has put on my heart uh, to share with you uh, and to call all of us here to do is to fulfill the ministry of jealousy begun by Paul. God calls us to be zealous, with a Z, in loving and serving him to make people jealous. Uh, And it was a very appropriate passage that was uh, chosen today for the golden verse about a godly jealousy. Hopefully when we go into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and our schools, we will make people jealous with a godly jealousy. Uh, For a lot of us here, when you're thinking, what in the world is a godly jealousy? I've never heard about a godly jealousy. Isn't jealousy a bad thing? Um, We think of jealousy as a negative thing, something as a a sin that we need to confess or repent of. Uh, For example, we get jealous of our neighbor who has a better or bigger house than we do. We get jealous of our neighbor who has a better or a newer model of car than we do. We get jealous of our classmate that's more popular than us, uh, considered better looking, etc., or gets better grades than us. We get jealous when we think that our life is so hard, but another person's life is so easy, or seems to be. But in Romans chapter 11, jealousy is transformed into a positive tool, a prod to draw people and to provoke people Uh, to Jesus. God redeems jealousy to bring people to salvation. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is addressing a congregation of followers of Jesus in Rome. And most of these followers of Jesus uh, were Gentiles, uh, people who were not Jewish. Paul states that God will use the salvation of these non-Jewish people to be a witness and a testimony to Jewish people and to hopefully bring them to faith in Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Paul says in verse 13, I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arise my own people to envy and save some of them. Although uh, Long Island Church uh, is in Uh, I'm sorry, Long Island Alliance Church is in Long Island, where there's a high Jewish population. The overwhelming majority of the two language services here are Gentile uh, from Asian backgrounds. Uh, Is there anyone here who is of Jewish ancestry? So no? Um, So I've learned not to assume. (laughs) 
Um, particularly in, especially in Queens. If you see a Jewish person in Queens, they can look like anywhere, people from anywhere in the world. Uh, you have uh, Jewish people from North Africa, the Middle East, uh, Asia, etc. But um, for us uh, Gentiles here, uh, most of us, uh, all of us are then, are Gentiles. We are not Jewish. And we may have uh, daydreams of things like pork belly buns, uh, oyster p- uh, pancakes, wajan, hagao, tuzuro. And some of these and many other non-kosher delights. To observant Jews, we and our ancestors would have been seen as religiously and maybe even ethnically impure, ignorant of the proper rituals and laws of God, in a similar way that Meghan Markle was seen as morally or ethnically impure and culturally and ritually unfit to be wedded into the British royal court. However, it is very clear that Jesus is a Messiah for Israel and the entire world, and we are purified, we are washed in his blood, and clothed in his righteousness. God also grafted us as wild branches into the people of God, the cultivated olive tree. Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 16 to 18 says, For I am not ashamed of the good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the good news, the righteousness of God, a righteousness that is uh, by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. One difficult question to overcome is, if Jesus was Jewish, and all his early disciples were Jewish, and all of the books of the New Testament, except for the book of Luke and Acts, written by Luke, were Jewish, why is it that the majority of Jewish people do not have faith in Jesus, and many are forbidden by their families and rabbis to trust in Jesus as the Messiah? The answer to this question is uh, very complex and multi-layered. There are many factors, including the argument that Jesus failed to take the physical throne of King David and drive out the Roman imperial army from Israel. There are accusations that Jewish followers of Jesus were traitors to the nation uh, for following Jesus' words when they fled to the mountains, when they saw the Romans surrounding Jerusalem with their armies on their way to destroy the city and the temple. Jews in Europe also experienced extreme anti-Semitism, violence, theft, rape, and pillage, even after the message of Jesus spread to Europe and hundreds of years later became the official faith of a lot of Europe. But even in Paul's day, he wrestled with this question. He longed for his fellow Jewish people to share the same experience of grace, of love, and forgiveness that he himself experienced but was unattainable through trying to keep God's law perfectly. If you fall short in just one small thing, you have fallen short of God's law. As uh, Peter found out, (laughs) everything was prepared, everything was done correctly, and all the thing was one little thing that was missing. Paul says in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. 
He even says in Romans uh, chapter 9, With the Messiah as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from the Messiah, if that would save some of them. They are the people of Israel, the chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Paul knew that he himself was a sinful person and could not die for others to atone for their sins and bring them back to God. And he knew that each person needs to come to repentance and to put their faith in God. But we see such a passion. We see such a love and a commitment here uh, to them that he wishes he could give up his own salvation so that other Jewish people may be saved. Do we have that same passion, that same love, that same commitment to our family members, to our friends, to our coworkers, and classmates who do not know Jesus? Paul asks another question in today's passage. In chapter 11, verse 1, he says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people, whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scriptures say in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and have torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the, knee, bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Paul was like a lot of us here. He was born outside the land of his ancestors, had Roman citizenship, and he grew up in a multilingual environment. Paul also had two names. Uh, his Jewish name was Saul, or Shaul in, in Hebrew, and his uh, official Roman name was uh, Paulo in Latin, or Paulos in Greek. But he could also trace his heritage back to being part of the tribe of Gen Benjamin, and he even went to Jerusalem and studied with one of the top rabbis of his day. Rather than having a, a pity party for himself, like Elijah did, uh, Paul trusted in God's grace as he himself had, had experienced it, and he shared it with others, wherever and with, uh, to whomever God sent him. He also used his names, his dual identity, his passport, his language abilities, and his experience as a rabbi and scholar to share the good news of Jesus to both Jewish and non-Jewish people. If you are a second-generation uh, Asian-American living here in Long Island, you may have had to go through an identity crisis as a rite of passage as a minority in your school. Your classmates, classmates may have correctly or incorrectly identified you as uh, Chinese, Korean, or a Vietnamese. But uh, if you had to, ever had a chance to visit Asia with your family, 
you may have experienced the opposite. Because of your appearance, your dress, your posture, uh, your struggle with your parents' language, or your way of decision-making, strangers or even family members may even had said, ah, you're so American, you're so American. This experience leaves many people feeling caught in between or feeling outside of both cultures and feeling insecure about their identity, uh, about their desirability and worth. Our Christian faith, however, tells us that God loves us as we are and that he has a plan for us. Also, he uses our personal history, our culture, our language, and our good and our bad experiences to make something beautiful and to help us be a blessing to other people. Asian Americans particularly have a unique role and opportunity to reach out and minister to those who have felt outside or oppressed by the dominant group, and especially with the Jewish people uh, who are also your neighbors. At the University of Chicago, there is a uh, large uh, Jewish student population, uh, even in the, also in the administration as well. Some Christians from the Protestant campus ministry called InterVarsity have been sharing with fellow students the good news that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And uh, some Jewish students had complained to the administration about it. So the administrators called the directors of InterVarsity into their office to have a meeting. I can imagine what was on the mind of their administrators, thinking about the European Jewish experience of being minorities in countries where they have been persecuted, mocked, and shunned over the past couple thousand years, and the recent experience of the Holocaust. But to their surprise, the two leaders of InterVarsity were not white, Anglo-Saxon Protestant, uh, or, or Germanic Protestants, but a tall Korean-American uh, a tall Korean American man and a Philippine Chinese American Christian. All of the, the, the administration's uh, defensive walls of self-preservation and hurt and their planned scolding of the InterVarsity directors was transformed into bewilderment. They didn't know what to do with them. But they were very curious. Why are you Christian? Aren't you, like, supposed to be Buddhist or atheist or Shinto or, or something or other? Why in the world are you Christian? Your very existence as Asian American Christians can prov- provide a, a necessary educational moment for both Jewish Americans and uh, WASPs or European Catholics about Christianity's roots as both Jewish and global, not European. But more importantly, it provides Jewish people the opportunity to hear in a non-hostile environment and in a non-hostile way that Jesus is the promised Messiah that the Hebrew Bible talks about. He is Yeshua HaMashiach. Asian and Asian American uh, Christians do not have the historical burden of anti-Semitism, of colonialism, of the Holocaust, and so many other wrongs that were perpetuated by European countries and even by uh, many who claimed to be Christian. On a more positive side, uh, Jewish people are normally surprised when they meet Asian Christians. And they often say, wow, you probably read the Bible more than I do. And I'm Jewish. 
So there's a surprise and curiosity. As a result, they became jealous with a godly jealousy. Jealous of the love, joy, peace, patience, or spiritual hope and faith that you have. And they're driven to ask more questions. Earlier this year, I attended a church retreat uh, for an English congregation of one of our partner churches uh, in Chinatown. And I was very encouraged by the retreat. There was a Korean-American pastor uh, who was a speaker for the retreat, and uh, he had gone through a lot of uh, similar experiences in the Korean church as the uh, Chinatown church was going through uh, between the English congregation and the uh, Cantonese uh, congregation. Moreover, at multiple times during the retreat, they paired us up uh, one by one with other people, and we prayed with another person. Uh, So it was a very encouraging time where we got to meet uh, other people and to pray and encourage one another. On the last night, a number of people got up to share about their experience about what God was doing in their lives during this retreat. Uh, And a few people that got up uh, to share were not Christians, but they were so moved and touched by what they had experienced during that weekend that they wanted to tell other people. Uh, One girl, uh, she got up and she started off by saying, uh, you know, the Korean-American pastor uh, asked during one of the Bible sessions, oh, is there any Jewish people here to, uh, like, we don't have any Jewish people here, do we? And she said, well, I'm that Jewish person. (laughs) Uh, I am Jewish. And she said, "Uh, I'm Jewish, and I was so moved Uh, by your heart for God and your love and care for one another. I need to go back to temple and to be reconnected with with, with God. And I want to thank you for inspiring me. This girl most likely never would have walked into a white church. But here she was, attending this Chinese church retreat because her Chinese-American classmate had invited her. She was jealous of what she saw, just as the Apostle Paul said. She wanted the close relationship her Chinese-American classmates had with God. You yourselves have just such opportunities as these. Because of their intensive drive for education, uh, East Asian Americans gravitate towards the neighborhoods with the best school districts. And these school districts have a lot of Jewish people who also highly prioritize education. And many uh, Chinese-Americans especially intermarry with Jewish-Americans. It is no surprise that Amy Chua, author of Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother, is married to a Jewish-American lawyer. As a result of these sociological factors, you have more contact with Jewish people than most Americans do, and thus more unique opportunities to share Jesus with them in non-threatening ways. A fascinating part of our ministry in New York City at NYU on campus is that the majority of our volunteers are Chinese-American. They're native speakers of English, uh, so they're very effective in leading uh, English conversation groups uh, and also in professional mentoring, where they're able to share their, and use their professional skills and abilities in helping the students uh, develop their careers and give them career advice. Uh, Yet, at the same time, they have also been able to use their Chinese part of their identity to host things like uh, Chinese New Year events and Mid-Autumn Festival. And uh, as a result, Hindu, Muslim, 
atheists and Buddhists have walked into the church for the first time in their lives. Um, how may God want to use you and the gifts that he has given you to reach the world? As you join together in serving others, especially others who are not like yourselves, uh, they will see your love for God and see your love for one another, and they will be jealous. They will say, they have something that I do not, and I want that. I want to know more. You may be thinking, come on, could you stop with all the stereotypes? Not all Asians and Jews are smart or are overachievers. I dropped out of school and even uh, am addicted to drugs or alcohol. If this is true of you, uh, then you must acknowledge your need for grace and salvation and that your need for the grace of God is greater than your need for keeping face in front of your family and friends. And God can also give you a ministry to local Jewish kids uh, who also crash, have crashed under the high pressure and family expectations. Uh, if you talk to the top leaders of Jewish organizations um, uh, who are followers of Jesus, uh, organizations like Chosen People or uh, Jews for Jesus, a lot of them grew up around here uh, and then went off to places like California where they're into sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the 60s and 70s. But it was there that Jesus met them and transformed them, their lives and gave them a new hope and a new purpose, even though their parents may have written them off as useless and worthless. Uh, acknowledge your need for help. Get treatment and, you, and make others who are struggling with the same thing jealous in a healthy and godly way. Romans 13, verse 11, uh, ver, Romans 11, verse 13 says, I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their reject, rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If you have had the honor of meeting Jewish followers of Jesus, you have probably experienced the riches of their experience, their understanding and insight into the Bible, and their powerful testimony, as they have often experienced family rejection, shunning, scorn, and mockery. Um, yet the powerful life-transforming tra uh, uh, testimony of coming from dead to life. In the Greek language, uh, the words uh, zealous can mean zealous with a Z or jealous with a J, depending on the context. Zealous is an intense feeling, almost an obsession about something. Paul tells us in Galatians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own people and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Paul's zealousy with a Z was not wrong, but it was misguided and it was used for the wrong things. It was on the road to Damascus in Syria, the war-torn country that we hear about on the news all the time, uh, that the Messiah appeared to him and said to him, Shaul, Shaul, why do you persecute me? Shaul responded, Who are you, Lord? The voice responded, I am Yeshua. Jesus, whom you are persecuting. From then on, Saul became zealous 
for Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. And he answered the call to use his passport, his second name, Paulo, or Paulos, and his whole life to share the good news of Jesus, uh, first with the Jew and then to the Gentile. Today, I, Eric, uh, speak to you, Gentiles of Long Island Alliance Church, uh, as an apostle to the Chinese and to international students from around the world. I take pride in my ministry in the hope uh, that through my ministry and your ministry, we may somehow arise the Jewish people to envy, uh, to envy and to save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Be zealous for Jesus and his word and make them jealous. Shalom. Shalom.